going to read verses 5 to 10 of Matthew chapter 28. And this is what God's word says to us today. And we understand the context as it was read earlier to us. Jesus was led to the cross and what was fulfilled, well, what was written many, many years prior to that event was fulfilled on that day. And he was taken to the cross and um, he was crucified. The people of that day thought that they were clever, that they found him that they tied him up and that they nailed him to the cross and they thought that they took his life. The Bible says different. The Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for mankind. It was a plan fulfilled. And of course, when Jesus breathed his last, he said, it is finished which means that that for which he came, he completed that task. Every prophetic promise that was needed to be fulfilled up to that point was fulfilled. And our salvation became secure within him. When he said it was finished, it was prophetic because he claimed victory over his death. He claimed victory over the grave. And on Sunday, that prophetic statement, it is finished, culminated in him resurrecting from the dead. And the Bible says that his resurrection became the first fruits for all of mankind. And that's the hope that we live in. We celebrated four years of my father having passed away and my sister sent me a little video clip a few days ago about him and his mother uh, and my mother walking together and my dad loved pigeons and he used to be a pigeon fancier, he raced pigeons when he was younger and just before his death my mother and him had walked um, in Portugal where they had moved to living with my sister and their wonderful family and he was outside with little bird seeds within his hands and there were many birds out there and he was just just spraying the seed, just on the ground, the birds came to eat. And that was my picture this past week about my father. But I have even a grander picture of my father. And that is that um, the first fruits of Jesus' resurrection will be seen within my dad's life. Not only will his body be resurrected again, but there will be a wonderful reunion with us and our family and with all who know him. And we will be together for all eternity. That is what this day is all about. And that's the hope that you and I have. And it's because I remember two significant events within my father's life. The first was um, when my dad had just retired, came to our church, and he wasn't a believer. My mom was a believer since she was nine. She basically brought us up in the ways of God. And I remember that one Sunday in our church, I was preaching and I opened it up for people to come to know the Lord Jesus. And my sister was sitting next to my dad with their family and she looked at my dad and she said, Dad, don't you think it's time? When your daughter says that to you, you better respond. 
And my dad looked at her and she said, and he said, I think so. My sister says, I will take your hand and we'll walk up forward together. Took his hand and they walked up forward and my dad got saved that Sunday morning. And a period passed. The sun, a couple of weeks before we moved to Switzerland, we had a baptism at our church there and my dad and I had gone to watch rugby and um, we went to watch the Sharks play and my dad loved it. And as we were driving back, we were having the baptism more service, not that week, but the next week. And I said, Dad, you know, we're having a baptism more service. He hadn't been baptized in water after his conversion yet. And I said, you know, we're having the baptism. And he looked at me. I said, do you think you're ready? Um, he says, I think I'm ready. I said, well, it has been a lot of years. He says, I know, Piet. And uh, we called um, his small group leader, and he spent some time with my father, and then we baptized my father together. And it was an amazing event that we celebrated. And, and, and so based on the fact that my dad encountered the Lord Jesus, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there will be a reunion within our lives one day. And you could look forward to those same events um, when I die, I've taught my children, and they know. They've heard me say it many, many times before. I said to my children, and I said to my older son, I did my grand's funeral. And um, my older son was there. We had already moved here, and she died, and I had the privilege of leading my grand to the Lord too. Isn't that wonderful? What a, I mean, she was something, she was close to 90 when I led her to Jesus. And she said, would you do my funeral? I said, I'll only do your funeral if you give your life to Jesus. And she smiled and she's a lady who grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church, had an understanding, but never really a personal experience with Jesus. And my grand, she, man, she is strong lady and I'm an Afrikaans person. And some of the Afrikaans ladies are very strong. And I said, Gran, would you like me to pray for you? She said, please, I've never prayed that prayer. And so I spoke to her about it. She said, I've never done that yet. And I prayed and I led her to Jesus. She gave her heart and life to Jesus. And at her funeral, the family there with her friends there, and my older son was sitting there. And it was the first funeral I had done in my native language, Afrikaans. And I did it, and I translated a little bit in English, and I could say to my son sitting there, and I could say to the people, that I, I said to them, if you ever want to find me after I die, I can tell you how you can find me. You can find me through Jesus. So my children know that when Jenny and I pass away, um, I don't know who's going to be first. Jenny thinks I'll be the first one who's going to pass away. You know, and um, well, you know, Jeannie, it's going to be you, then maybe around 100 years of age. Uh, but, who, you know, when, when we pass away, our children will know how to find us because they know where we'll be at. And they know the way. It is through Jesus. That is how simple the message of the cross is.
That's how simple it is. But it is profound, it's powerful, and it brings such a sense of assurance and security. And my friends, when we read this account where, the, uh, where Jesus said it's finished, all of those words kind of like embrace what I'm talking about now. It was finished for the sake of Scripture. It was finished for the sake of mankind, and he completed what his father wanted him to do so that salvation can come to mankind. And so we pick up the scripture here where the angel, well, where the angel appeared to the women who went to the grave and they sat there because Jesus was taken from them. I don't know how much hope they had within their hearts of seeing Jesus again. Although Jesus had told them, but one thing I know is that he had dropped that little seed of hope within their hearts. You see, he, he had promised them that they would see him again. He had used a number of analogies. He talked about the temple being broken down and in three days it'll be resurrected again, speaking about his body. And he had given them many pictures for them to relate to. But I know that he had put a little seed within their hearts, which I call a promise. And there was that seed within their hearts. And as they sat at the graveside, and the Bible says that um, soldiers were sent to the graveside to secure it because they were afraid that the disciples may steal the body. And it was properly secured and soldiers were watching over it. And of course, the angel came and um, he said to these women here, in verses 5 to 10, do not be afraid, for I know what you are looking for. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. That's significant, isn't it? Now I have told you. So the woman went away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. These women were waiting at the graveside, at the tomb, with a sense of resurrecting hope within their hearts. They had heard what Jesus had said. They had read the scriptures, but they were not quite sure about what was to happen. But there was hope within them. My friends, what the world needs today is hope. When you look all over, we're desperately in need of hope. My home province in South Africa, KZN, have been devastated by floods. Over 400 people had died within the floods there this past week. They haven't had electricity and water within the province for four or five days already. 
What those people need is hope. People in the Ukraine, and we've been praying so much for the Ukraine and the surrounding areas and for Russia. We've been praying what people need is hope. We stand in hope with Marily and Abram today. I cannot tell you that she is going to be healed today. I wish I could make that declaration. I can't because I'm not God. Amen? And neither can you. But we can stand in hope with Marily. We've made the big ask. And now it's up to God to work and to move as he pleases. But we have this resurrecting hope within our hearts. That that promise that he's put within our hearts will be fulfilled in resurrecting life. That I have no doubt of. And so there are a number of other people within our church who are in crisis. We must give them hope, but how do we give each other hope? The world gives hope, but it's empty. It amounts to nothing, and it's not based on something which is tried and tested. What type of hope do we need to give each other? My friends, the Bible gives us promises that we can hang our hope on, and sometimes it's a small little seed that drops into our hearts, and that seed is there. And as time progresses, that seed grows, and it springs forth into resurrection life. These women these amazing women. There was hope within their hearts and yet there was also fear. And oftentimes when there's fear, there can also be hope. <laughs> I've experienced that within my own life. And we see here that these ladies, the Bible says, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I know that you are looking for Jesus. Now they may be looking for him physically to see where he lay, but there was a spiritual seed that was planted within their lives because they were looking for the risen Christ. They were looking for Jesus. He says, he was crucified, and so he comes down and he speaks about the realities of life. My friends, for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. For there to be a triumph, there has to be a crisis. <laughs> and we all experience it. But my friends, within these very difficult moments that we go through, the seed of hope that God drops within our lives are there. And so I've been struggling just to get up, to come up with a wonderful definition of hope. And over the years, I've always gone and looked for definitions that other guys give, and they've been helpful. But this is my definition of hope, and it's just pits. Um, hope is the in-between time from the promise given to the time of fulfillment. Can I give that to you again? That just resonated with me as I sat. I actually, I've got a motorbike now. And I was on the home motorbike actually riding. Cruising by myself, it was so cool. In the, oh, such a beautiful place. And as I was thinking about hope, I came up with that definition. I stopped, because otherwise I would forget it after five minutes. It's a problem. And this is the definition. Hope is the in-between time from the promise given 
to the time of fulfillment. There are some of us who are still living in hope because the promise has been given to us, but we haven't yet seen the fulfillment of it. I know that this body of mine will live forever and forever and forever in its new state, not in this state. This body is dying. The, Paul said, this is the frustration. He says, I know that my body is dying. He says, but my spirit is being renewed daily. You see, that's the hope that we have. He says, creations in Romans chapter 8, he says, creation grows, waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. And my goodness, my body is groaning. My poor wife has got to live with me. But my friends, God gives us grace for the in-between time. Marley, Abram, God gives you grace for the in-between time. And he will give you grace. But the most amazing thing when I look at the in-between times within scripture of a number of people, I have found that, that, that there are some incredible things that happen during the in-between time, which we call hope within our lives. And when you look at the number of situations that actually happened in the lives of, of the amazing people from the death of Jesus to his resurrection, you'll find out that these people were living in hope, but, but God always comes and he helps us during this in-between time, which I call hope. You know, um, of course, the first scene that we've just read is this in-between time where the women were looking for Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you look at Scripture, the women were always first there. In our church too, the women, they 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 first. This church is who she is because of the ladies within our church. And I say that proudly as a man. An incredible woman within our church. Godly women who are soldiers for Christ. And these women were that they were at the tomb waiting. They were in that in-between time. And I want you to see here that God didn't leave them by themselves. He reminded them of scripture. It was ringing within their ears. But they weren't by themselves. They had another friend there with them. But during this in-between time, God visited them through an angel to speak to them and to speak courage within their hearts. My friends, during the in-between times within our lives, God will visit us in special ways. This was the special way for the women where the angel came and just ministered to them. In scripture, you find so many places where the angels came to minister to people. Remember, with Jesus, a number of times, the angels came and they ministered to Jesus when he was distressed. The Bible speaks about us entertaining angels even when we don't know it. You just need to invite me to your home. <laughs> that is the most beautiful thing. God will visit you during the in-between period within your lives. There's another scene that I absolutely love. Again, one of my favorite scriptures. I wanted to preach on it, but I can't preach, it, preach on it every year. But it's from Luke chapter 24, verse 13, with um, 
the disciples on their way to Emmaus. And one of them, Cleopas, asked them, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? You see, Jesus had been crucified. They left Jerusalem. They're on their way to Emmaus. Their hearts were down. They were in that in-between period. There was hope but the hope wasn't very bright within their hearts. They were sad because Jesus had died. And during this in-between time, as they were traveling towards Emmaus, God surprised them again. And what did he do? He surprised them in three ways. He surprised them firstly through his own presence. My friends, when you're going through crisis, look for the presence of Jesus. Look for the presence of Jesus. His presence is promised to us. He says, I won't only just be with you, but I'll be inside of you. You need to recognize his presence. He'll strengthen you. But secondly, within this passage of scripture, he surprised them through scripture because he started reading the scriptures to them. And they recognized him through the scriptures. Isn't that beautiful? Read the scriptures, my friends. His presence is so powerful when you read the scriptures. But there's a third way in which they recognized him. What happened? They were breaking bread together, isn't it? They stopped and they were eating and Jesus just broke bread and he revealed himself through this time. During the in-between time, God will come to you and he will strengthen your resolve. And we can go on and look at a number of other scenes, th- uh, 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 scenes where um, after the crucifixion, people were, uh, were looking for Jesus, but they were during this in-between time. My friends, what we've got to be careful when we go through this in-between time is that we mustn't let our doubts cause us to run away from Jesus. We lose hope when we tend to run from our doubts doubts instead of facing them. And we see that in scripture, but God is so gracious, he comes and he steps in the midst of it. We tend to speak when we lose hope, more about our disappointments instead of focusing on his promises. Let's constantly remind one another about the promises of God. That's the scriptures. God reveals himself to us through the scriptures. My friends, when we start to lose hope, we will fail to recognize the presence of Jesus. And we will start to begin to live in the past. But when we regain our hope, we will step through our pain And that is when we are able to step into God's presence and into his purposes. I remember just a time five years ago, I'm gonna close with this story and you've heard it before some of you, when our younger son Chris had had three strokes. He was 19. And, and it's significant because it happened over the Easter period. 
happened Easter Saturday. And he had a stroke, and um, I remember that Sunday morning, I was here, Jane was with Chris in the hospital. And um, he was in the hospital for a period of a month. And uh, we obviously didn't know what was gonna happen. And I remember that we were praying, and all of us were praying, but I had that hope within my heart that God was gonna do something. And I remember what I did night after night. I'd got in his x-rays, and his x-rays revealed where the three strokes were within his brain. And every night, I went into Christopher's room, and I put the x-rays down on his bed, and I would just kneel down, and I'd place my hands on those x-rays, and I'd pray for healing. I pray for a full recovery. You see, there was that, that in-between time where I was living in hope. Why hope? Because God had put a promise within my heart. And I had claimed many, many promises. God says if you leave houses, if you leave lands, if you leave families, he says, these are the promises that would come to you. And I was praying those promises over my son. And as I was praying those promises over my son, there was times when my hope was very, very low. But God fulfilled his promises within Chris's life. It is five years down the line now, and in July, Chris will be graduating being a chiropractic doctor. My friends, we must not lose hope. Even though you're during the in-between time within your life, He will remind you about his promises over your life. And he will fulfill what he has promised. That is what the resurrection teaches us. That he watches over his promise and that he will fulfill it through Jesus Christ.